I think that my my practice has also been a lot about really healing and caring and just tending to the ways that communication and information and learning happens for me and really wanting to be able to encourage others like hey did you know that you could like if you're able to like you could sit next to this like tree or something and like it's going to um share memories with you or and you don't have to like really do anything or like hey <laughs> like hey did you know that like i think that sometimes animals hide like turn themselves into rocks and like we can communicate in that way Welcome to Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee Sills, and I'm a consulting astrologer, somatic educator, and host of the Embodied Astrology podcast. In today's episode, I'm delighted to share my conversation with Bridget Hickey, who will be offering a workshop entitled Architectures of Protection to the Embodied Astrology Community on Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. Bridget is a heart and shadow scientist, a gateway tender a multi-sensory archivist exploring interspecies intimacy with her ancestors and guides. Bridget is an artist, community herbalist, poet, and care worker, currently focused on developing their skills in textiles, grief facilitation, ancestral technology, education, and somatic repair. Bridget is currently working on a new body of work after her first floating sculpture, Amplification, shown at Oregon Contemporary. This new series entitled Symbology of an Echo, Dream Amulet, is a series from the Apothecary of Time. It is constituted of objects that have manifested through daydreams where guides informed her of things that she and we need. The following conversation between Bridget and I was an expansive one, excitingly free-flowing and non-linear in nature. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I guess maybe I would start by asking you how you connect with your inner knowing. Hmm. I guess there's a few different ways. Like sometimes it's singing, if that's like accessible to me at the time. And then other times it's probably going outside and this happened like the other day, actually, because I've been feeling really like outside of myself, which has like put some distance between my inner knowing, feeling accessible to me. And I went to this track and was just like walking around the track. And I used to run a lot and I don't anymore as frequently and there's like a thing that will happen when I'm like moving my body it happens when I run or when I walk specifically or do like repetitive motions with my body where I have this experience of like words or textures will start like coming out of me that like are kind of like a map guiding me towards the inner knowing or almost it feels like it creates this like containment around me 
that wasn't there before and like helps to find my edges again. It was actually just yesterday that the way to my inner knowing was like walking on the track and then it was at a park that has these really beautiful trees. There's like a lot of maple and oak trees and there's some hawthorn trees there as well. And like after I was done walking, I went over to the trees and kind of started playing with them and touching them and like co-regulating with them. And that's probably like my top, <laughs> like mm-hmm. top way to find my ground or like my heart or like the okay like there I am kind of feeling and often and that is where my inner knowing feels like braided with that Mm. in a sense of movement and kind of rhythm and then in this kind of listening space and connecting space that yeah there's like these other beings that like help like pull it out or like help to dust Mm -hmm. off or sometimes to like kind of gather me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I resonate a lot with that like as a kinesthetic learner and embodied intuitive I feel like I always am the most connected in motion and in moments of stillness where my attention is in the motion you know like in the pulse Mm -hmm. or in the breathing or transmission your descriptions you know this sense of containment that you talked about and then when you talked about the tree and then how you just described this kind of pulling energy really conjured up the image of your workshop flyer for me (laughs) (laughs) um the title of your workshop is architectures of protection you know and I felt like you were really talking about that containment and then the image on the flyer is this gorgeous image of you with like this brilliant blue dress and your hair looks amazing and you're kind of leaning against this tree in this way that feels like you're connecting you know and the tree is when I saw that picture it felt like oh Bridget Bridget knows that the tree is at their back in this picture like you felt you know, very strengthened by that presence. And then um, we got the picture from you and and the, the flyer that Gab's made, our creative director, I don't know where it came from because they haven't done this style for anybody else, <laughs> but for your flyer, they had, I don't even know what to call them, these shapes, you know, that feel like these energy beings or something <laughs> kind of emanating around your body. And so when you just said that, I was like, oh, <laughs> Bridget's flyer. <laughs> um and and then it made me feel curious about the title and also the contents, like the contents and the container, I suppose, of your workshop. And yeah, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about it at all and maybe about the title or the inspiration for it or any other thoughts you might feel like sharing at this point, you know, with your workshop just a couple of weeks away. Yeah. First, that's really funny and true. Like, the tree that is in that um, photo is one of the trees that I was visiting yesterday. And I have these like specific trees around me that I like specifically will spend a lot of time with. But you're right about the like ghostly spirit orb things that are like, <laughs> like kind of flinging out, <laughs> um, which I've also been like, kind of like, I will look at it sometimes and just like with some curiosity I guess um but it feels fun that it's like tying back in to 
yeah, a little bit of like the texture that I was describing. Um, yeah, architectures of protection is a phrase that emerged for me last summer when I was staying in the desert on this aquifer or like and I had access to this aquifer and during the time that I was there the water was like being held in the ground and so it was like this 10 mile desert like in like both or like in all directions and I had never been in an environment like that before, uh, especially by myself, where I wasn't having to worry about, like, really anything. And I just felt like this different kind of total, like, access to this open, expansive space that felt very like it was mirroring where like emotionally I was at the time and just like needing like so much spaciousness and on the ground of the aquifer I would like go there each day exploring and like there were like little dead crickets and not a lot of things like growing in the same way that I'm used to them growing around like my neighborhood here and There were all of these patterns that were, you know, on the ground and the ground was soft and kind of like dusty. And at some parts, there was like a very visible, like crunchy layer. And I got really like obsessed with going out there and kind of like reading the ground and something that I that I spend a lot of time with is thinking about how these things um, that I call or that fall into like the invisible intimacies. I spend a lot of time thinking about the integrity of these things that are not always glaring or these elements that we're not always like supported in acknowledging. And for me, that has a lot to do with things like prayer. It has to do with something that I think about and feel the effects in my life of a lot, which is this, all of these beings and all of these witnesses, all of these prayers, all of these things that were left behind and being added to constantly that I see as this like webbing that is in the sky. And I first had access to that in this verbal way, actually after, or I was in the middle of reading Beloved by Toni Morrison. And I had this experience where I kind of It felt like I was going in and out of my body at the same time, but I was seeing this network that I felt was something that I was being like tuned into that has existed pretty much forever. That like at that time, I was thinking a lot about like black matriarchs and knowledge protectors and storytellers and story holders and like where 
these core knowings um, kind of about existence, like would be, were being stored um, and like protected and that I was like having this like moment of initiation or moment of rite of passage to like, okay, you're like becoming aware of this now in this specific way. And so I had to kind of take it back to like (laughs) say that it's a larger thing that I have thought of and felt and been working with for a long time. But then at the desert last summer, it kind of took on a like there was this phrase of architectures of protection um, that yeah, I really just wanted to like name for myself to have like an anchor. And it felt like an honoring of these webbings that are from human prayers, but it's really has to do with like beyond human witnessing. And I do think that it comes from, or Perhaps I feel like I need to, I have to acknowledge that it it does come from like a longing, a longing for access to protection and also like a wanting to see and name and honor the ways that I feel like my life and perhaps other others lives benefit from or like or like guided or are like purposed by and from those webbings yeah so it comes from it it comes from this like longing and desiring to see what was before I have always been kind of obsessed with understanding or wanting to see like what was before me, whether that meant like family members or a place where we came from or like a memory or a story. And I think, or I know that I just started to become like more and more present and wanting to feed as it became known to me that like my life was still being impacted by people and beings and things that are no longer here in the same way. And I mentioned before that it came also, I think, from this like huge longing in my heart to like have protection and have containment. Thank you for for sharing all of that. It felt, listening to you felt like a poem, felt like listening to a poem. And um, I was thinking about seeing your recent show. You have a show up um, at the Portland Contemporary. Oregon Contemporary. Oregon Contemporary, yeah. And yeah, I got to go to the opening a couple of weeks ago and it was really it was really powerful listening to you talk and thinking about this installation that you had created that um, I'm only remembering little pieces of, you know, so I, I'm not going <laughs> to try and explain your, your work or anything like that, but um, you've hand dyed these silks with plant essences and had um, 
sewed them together into these um, kind of hanging banner garland. They felt like kelp to me, you know, this kind of fluid feeling um, dreamscape. And on the ground, um, there were ritual offerings. And, um, and then you presented from that space and um, presented in a way that felt like you were very tethered to these subtle connections that you're talking about. And when you were mentioning your orientation towards history and the past and what was um, of course, I thought about your Capricorn rising, you know, being a person that sees the world, you know, has this lens and orientation towards the depth of the phenomenal creation. You know, I think Capricorn really, in some of its archetypal manifestation, holds history, you know, and that's really mm. what it's about is like bringing us into tradition and anchoring us into not just the past, but the living present and future. And every time you are present at tea time or a workshop and we're, you know, in the same space and I get to hear you talk about astrology, you speak with multiple presences is how I feel you often, you know, and that you're, you're connecting to these, um, yeah, subtle strands. And sometimes what's coming through feels like, oh, this is Bridget's relationship with plants. And sometimes what's coming through feels like, oh, this is Bridget's relationship to poetry or prayer or their ancestors or like the many beings that they walk with. And when you gave me your description for the workshop, it was a poem, you know, and you were, you were calling to the fluid inside of the bones and this description of the desert and the aquifer and like this contained fluid power inside of that space yeah all of that kind of brings me into the felt sense awareness of being in relationship or contact with you you know that yeah it feels like you hold yourself and and hold others in the space around you with a sensitivity to these architectures mm -hmm. and when you you know you talked about this longing and it's like I I have felt you or I have felt what I perceive maybe to be that longing, like in spaces, you know, you meet spaces with such tenderness and, and attunement and like you're listening, you know, for those voices in the, in the chorus or, you know, those subtle threads in, in the web. Mm -hmm. Thank you for <laughs> reflecting those pieces. Yes. It's funny you use the word chorus. Cause I, I've just sometimes just, the architectures of protection as the sky choir yeah I feel like what you mentioned in the end of like listening for the architecture and what you mentioned about different characteristics of Capricorn they do feel very connected specifically what you were saying about it's not just the past. It's like a living future present moment as well. And I think that my relationship with understanding the past as past is a confused one. I don't really see. I, I think I mentioned it as the past. But yeah, this brings up the way that I consider time. And I think that that's another piece like I described 
um, in the workshop description, wanting people to have the opportunity to remember that, yeah, that our, our bones are living tissue and that they're made of all of these ingredients that you could see as like a, as a continuum of what was there before and what and how it is still here now. And yeah, I mentioned this longing, longing to have access to like information or an ability to speak and listen in a new way to both like create, but also to understand what is around me. Like, why do I feel this way when I walk by this one hill like what happened there and how is it actually so intimately connected to the way that I feel and I'm going to impact I think impact is like a a big a big piece there Mm. for me yeah Mm. I have the chart pulled up for your workshop start time (laughs) and so I've been (laughs) looking at the chart of that day you know as you're talking and um you're presenting the day before the Capricorn full moon. And the moment that your workshop starts is basically when the moon goes into Capricorn. And so in this chart, which has a Pacific uh, rising time, you're in the Pacific Northwest. And um, so it's 11 a.m. on on that Sunday, July uh, 2nd that, that your workshop is. And so with this particular chart, there is a Virgo rising, which puts Capricorn in the fifth, the place, the fifth house, which is, it's generative energy, you know, it's creative energy and life-giving energy and it's joy and it's art. And um, in a personal chart, it's like somebody's personal juju, you know, it's like, mm. yes, like this is the juice inside of me that gets to to be expressed. And the moon is right at the first degree of Capricorn and Pluto is at the last degree has recently retrograded back in. And so these um, feels like these two very different kinds of presences, you know, are holding the gates. And then across from them in the 11th house is the sun Mercury conjunction, which is just separating at this point. And there's kind of this infusion of that Kazemi in cancer, right? This fluid bonded space in the 11th house, which is the house of friends and allies and, you know, good omens, but also the web (laughs) Um, representative of the internet, as well as other kinds of webs of connection. (laughs) Yeah. And like some of the, I think, orienting towards the offering, you know, that you bring that I've been able to, to hear, to witness from you. Um, and, and in what you just shared around what you're listening for and kind of how you're thinking about holding space for attunement to what is and maybe is no longer visible or maybe never, I mean, who knows, you know, where, yeah. how, what was being <laughs> sensed. But, but you, mm-hmm. uh, a while ago, you mentioned like invisible intimacies, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I guess my attention is drawn into the kind of what I would perceive is actually a very deeply erotic nature of this chart, you know, as like strong fifth, 11th and a Venus Mars conjunction in Leo in 12. And uh, the moon is aspecting the, the nodal axis exactly. And Pisces is in the seventh and it's like, 
mm-hmm. an invitation, you know, to feel, to feel, mm-hmm. and then to <laughs> transmit, you know, and to express and to do it in, in the grace of a company that we may not understand or be able to access mm-hmm. in a linear way or something like that, you know, and, and I think that that capacity, like the ability to be in an unknown and create from an unknown space for me really resonates as like the spiritual, a core of an artist, you know, that, um, I believe that art and healing and spirit are all part of the same work and that there's a real difference, you know, between having a plan and setting a structure and like, we've got our goals and our learning outcomes, right. And we're going to go and this is the thing that we're going to do. And then attuning in the way that I hear and I've also experienced you kind of transmitting to express from that place, which feels, I I mean, it's like when I feel into that, I'm like, I am confronted with my own awkwardness, honestly. And like, I'm like, (laughs) wow, that's really vulnerable. That feels kind of scary, but it also feels tantalizing Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like a a small muscle that I'm learning to, to access that isn't a big muscle. It's not the one that it's like, just do this 10 times and you're going to make it real strong. It's like that tiny little muscle that you're trying to get your mind to connect to. It's like, how do I get my third toe to move independently of like the other (laughs) four? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, to speak to that, like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna speak or you're gonna create, or you're gonna exist for a moment in time out of this, like, you said vulnerability, maybe that being in submission to the nonlinear and those invisible intimacies and to really be saying yes to like what that brings. It is like a muscle. And I'm thinking about when you were talking, I was thinking, I was like seeing the vocal cords for Mm. some reason. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but one thing that I'm wanting to say is that like something that I've, I want to maybe speak to that experience of doing that. I think being, existing, creating, relating um, from that place, like, I don't know if others will have this experience, but when I have done, or as I accept that that's like how I often am in my creative practice, I have found that I have actually, when the moment comes of that relaying or relating the information or like showing my, like my stones, I've actually felt so vulnerable that I'm like protected by my own vulnerability because it's like the most, it's like accessing like the most true thing. And then it just doesn't matter. Like nothing else. matters um which I think is probably why I'm thinking of or I'm seeing vocal cords and like being at your the truest true even if they're warbly or they're like you said awkward or your voice is cracking and I think that it's so strong (laughs) like I didn't know the chart for that day, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense to me um, for the, like the, all the, the aspects. 
that you were naming for that day. And yeah, I, I think also like at the heart of my practice and what I always I think I'm wanting to reflect to other people is that like there is access to that at at all moments at all times and it's so like within you and yeah I just brain heart blast <laughs> mm-hmm. that's yeah yeah I really appreciate that and um I feel like you and I maybe haven't had a direct conversation about this, but in passing parts of conversations, this has been touched. And so I'm wondering if, well, when I'm hearing you, like I'm feeling a claiming of a liminal space, you know, and a, an empowerment to, to be in that space, right. To not, yes. to not feel the need to settle into a particular form, but to feel actually the containment of liminality as its own form. And I am feeling in myself um, and hearing, maybe hearing in you the work, the personal work and the incredible amount of labor that it takes to claim sensitivity, intuition, and neurodivergence, and to not gaslight bypass, put ourselves in boxes, <laughs> overly apologize, compensate or mask, you know, but mm-hmm. to really kind of be in the ecstasy of a liminal space, right? Where oh, things yeah. don't, <laughs> don't need to, to make sense in the way that meaning making around sense making has been, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's like another kind of, of intelligence. Or recognizable. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely been thinking so much more about that, the the like function of finally, I think like with saying yes to myself, like my path, but also like something that has come through in like learning more about my own natal chart is like feeling like I have a sense, I have a strong sense of responsibility to the liminal space and to, and therefore like to my sensitivity. And that has definitely overlapped in not just being a person, a body, a thing that is hypersensitive and hypervigilant, which that does is a part of my experience, but it has, I think that working in the way that I have has allowed me to like move out of hypervigilance and move into the pleasures of being in an autistic body. And it has absolutely been a way that I am claiming myself in space of like I want to try to live in a way where the way that I communicate feels true and like makes sense to me no matter if anyone (laughs) can recognize it and um that's how I the way that I think or I think it I don't know if funny is the right word but people will say like you know oh, like you wrote this thing and it's like a poem or 
And I'm like, I don't have like, I haven't had the that like language awareness or the like, oh, this is what I'm doing. But it's, I don't mind. I don't mind people at times like relating the way that I communicate into like a, a form that feels like they can understand. But I'm just like, oh, I guess it's poetic. I'm just, this is just what my brain said, or these are the words that fell out of my body when I like did this thing. (laughs) And I'm actually like just having to trust the way that the words fall at this point, because I am trying to be so done with like the pain and the labor and the exhaustion and the chronic fatigue that comes with, yeah, like masking or trying to make myself or the way I communicate or the way that I feel recognizable. And I think also like there's so much that there's so much that can be like exemplified through this, this sense of like resensitizing ourselves to our environments and to our histories and to like really understanding what makes up my like immediate ecology and, and like, really being witness and like in relationship to to that and what it means and yeah Mm -hmm. thanks for that I (laughs) I don't now don't totally remember what it was you were saying but something you said about you know how you were leaning into that fully washed my body in chills and brought tears into my eyes and I felt really grateful for you to say that and yeah you know I think I've said a few times in this conversation that something you said or wrote to me, I perceived it as poetry. And I'm grateful to to hear you say what you just said. And um and it it kind of brought to me this feeling of what liminality and neurodiversity have to offer to the landscape of our of like colonized mindsets, you know, mm-hmm. and brains that have been shaped by linearity not liminality you know and especially Mm -hmm. shaped by like the fucking English language you know Mm -hmm. that just wants to own and objectify and make everything into something that is non-living and Mm. for me you know the beauty of poetry is that it brings me into sensuality and it takes me out of that that linear doing objectifying knowing oh I understand something space and when I'm when I'm given the opportunity to listen through a different faculty of mind, it's so expansive. And not just a faculty of mind, right? But a faculty of my own presence. Mm. And you said, what did you say? And then sometimes I'm moving and these are the words that are falling out of my body. And it feels like that also to, to listen, you know, and to receive communication in this way where, oh, this can fall into my body. If I let it, right? Like if my mind isn't trying to chase after it and put it in a prescribed order or shape of my own judgment, you know, then I then the words just fall into my body, you know, and they they produce a response. There's an elicitation that in my own being feels poetic, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's like, oh, I get I get to access that. And and for me, I, I feel like working in the field of astrology is such a cool opportunity. You know, it's an opportunity to be with people in liminal spaces. And 
so much of what happens through astrology feels like poetry. It feels like things dropping into our bodies or out of our bodies. And we don't necessarily know what we're looking at. We're looking at a symbol, you know, and a number like, what the hell is this rubric, you know, and then these (laughs) words start to come out of our mouths and we hear each other talking and then our minds begin to associate and then meaning gets made. And it's like these aha moments can happen. Anyway, all that to say, when you were speaking, I was really feeling grateful because it's, it's that labor, you know, and the immensity of the struggle, I think, to claim your voice and to um, not mask and really to explore it, you know, and enjoy it is just such a gift to consciousness. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There are a few things that you said that I, they're flying away from me at this moment. Oh, yes. When you're talking about like, not only, you know, words falling out or information falling out, but then being able to allow words or information or presence to fall in feels very important because I think what I hope any of this presence or conversation or workshop like gives off is the the many different ways that communication can be accessed and I Definitely as a person who like performed well in school, but at the, at, at like a huge, um, like trade-off for like my health. I think that my, my practice has also been a lot about, um, really healing and caring and just tending to the ways that communication and information and learning happens for me and really wanting to be able to encourage others like hey did you know that you could like if you're able to like you could sit next to this like tree or something and like it's going to um share memories with you or and you don't have to like really do anything or like Hey, (laughs) like, hey, did you know that, like, I think that sometimes animals hide, like, turn themselves into rocks and, like, we can communicate in that way. Or, like, I think that what you said about the English language and, like, the colonization of our minds and of time and of our senses, like, is something that is so pain so painful and so isolating and I think that in my experience of accepting actually this is the way that I receive information and then offer back um and this is the way that I'm learning to be in relationship that actually um allowing myself to be in my ways of relating has I see maybe a lot faster than if I was like still trying to force myself to be in a different way um I see so quickly how I'm not alone there are so many ones who are witnessing me 
and who I'm witnessing and that don't speak this verbal or English language or this mental gesture. (laughs) And I, I think that that has been really and is really important and not just for neurodivergent people like it's really important for ev- like for everybody for every being and the one other thing for some reason i feel like speaking about where you were saying how the like english language like wants to objectify and and make everything I actually don't remember the other word that you used, but like while you were talking about that, I was seeing like the, like one of the ways that for me I relate is like, I don't really see anything at this point in my life or feel anything as like with a real ability to die or when one die, or maybe it's an expansion of understanding death and that like falling into the way that I understand and relate to time. And I, I guess something that's just coming up for me in this conversation is like the way that the linear thinking and speaking, which is, I think is so, unna- it's so unnatural <laughs> and so like non-intuitive that like, it's just, I just feel so much how, um, how much severing and separating it does. And it just, to me goes back to what I talked about of the architectures of protection having coming also from this like longing. And I think this like deeper knowing that I'm not alone in the way that I think or in the way that I feel or that I'm literally like not so isolated just as like my body isn't just mine really. And like that it's in like flow with time and with beings and like when I like turn to dust and stuff like I will also still be in in a way that is impacting this like web and um yeah those are some things that were coming up for me (laughs) yeah Mm, thank you yeah that feels like a good place maybe to draw to a close for now but I'm wondering if you have um an invitation or like calling in of energy that you want to speak into our podcast space for your workshop because yeah it feels like the the subtle threads have already been cast you know you've you've been bringing this web together for a while and you said something that I wrote down that is going to stay with me for a long time. And I don't have it in the context of its full sentence or something, but it's being in submission to the nonlinear. And yeah, that felt really compelling to me. And it made me curious about what's going to happen (laughs) in your workshop. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I was wanting to say something about like Capricorn and cancer and um, there is something coming up around like belonging and letting your being being like transformed by these things. But I think what I will say, what I will offer as the invitation is I will just read off um, 
something from my notes that came, some of the words that came out while I was walking and thinking of the workshop. The bone blew well of time holding time, holding mineral, holding hallway of blue holding, echoes holding shadow, density, pulse, pull, through sponge core, rupture rebuild, reabsorption, netted basket of lotus flowers and family rings we cast in threes. Lotus flower, lily pad, we throw circles and plead for coverage. Lotus flower, lily pad, water moss, thickened rock. Your girth has grown from the mucky threads that float by catching that which try to float through. It's important to know the faces. Whose faces are you wearing? What story are you reenacting? or attempting to heal? Whose face are you wearing that knows what's happening to you? That picked up purpose in the well, that knew bone pain and marrow loss? Whose face from a time traveler, a warrior, warrior of threes and kings, where the moss was prevalent and lush and rain constant, a home longing, face longing, lost longing. What longing happened to us? Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. Embodied Astrology has so much other stuff going on, and our podcasts and horoscopes are just the surface. In our memberships, we also offer a variety of transformational, exploratory workshops with a range of brilliant and diverse teachers, weekly Embodied Astrology movement and meditation classes, a monthly conversation and tea time sharing space, study groups, and more. Our membership offerings are all sliding scale, and we offer additional scholarships for those who need. Keep in touch by signing up for the Embodied Astrology newsletter, following and subscribing to the podcast on your favorite listening platforms, and follow us on Instagram at Embodied Astrology. Your donations and memberships sustain this work, and we are so grateful for your support. Find more information about our membership options or make a one-time donation from the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening.